So, like, I grew up really conservative, uh, like, Baptist household, like, Southern Baptist, but, like, not the, not the cool Southern Baptist, like, black <laughs> churches that, like, sing and dance in the aisles and stuff. Like, the really, like, sober, no dancing at weddings, white people Baptists that suck. Uh, and so, like, there was always, like, all these explanations for, right, like, the, that, and the, and there's no there's no like cultural relativism or whatever right it's all just like this is like how things are right like all these explanations for all these like christmas traditions and all this stuff and you just automatically think like okay like obviously christian you know we like came up with this obviously because this is like the way it's presented to you growing up and so like actually like getting into like college and like after i stopped going to church like learning that a lot of our like christmas traditions are actually like old pagan rituals and stuff that were just like adopted by the church in order to like get people to join it or whatever initially like uh it was like really satisfying right mm-hmm. i was just like has suck it church former church goers like uh it's you know like all the stuff you're doing is pagan stuff <laughs> like you know i don't know uh so that's that's my pretty real yeah Yeah, for sure and and about how uh, a lot of different holiday traditions overlap even though the adherents of those religions might not you know want to admit that yeah I think for me that the sort of fun I mean I always liked Christmas because like my family was like not poor like I mean better than not horrible my family is pretty good and um, but it was definitely like way consumerist growing Mm up and you know, and would watch my family, like, struggle with, like, not really, like, wanting to give us the classic sort of mm. American middle-class right. Christmas experience, and that that was, I think, really stressful for my parents, and they still pulled it off, uh, and there's, and so I have deeply mixed feelings about it now, sort of looking back at all of that, uh, and finding out that there were these pagan holidays and like getting sort of connected with the like that there's this natural cycle that like at this time of the year what we're really celebrating is the turning from days are getting shorter Mm -hmm. to days are getting longer and that there's a whole biological part to that where like a lot of us are like this is the time of the year where we just sort of want to nap and (laughs) you know that sort of dark end of the year and that there's just these really core primal psychological needs that I feel like get touched on by that pagan calendar and that sort of quiet introspective time is the thing that I've come as an adult to most value about this time of the year and of course so much consumerism and so much like you know parties and running around and doing all this kind of stuff like we don't really get to sink into that part of the year very much in sort of modern culture and so I try to sort of reclaim as much of that as I can and have definitely participated in a lot of like longest night celebrations where you like basically stay up all night and like meditation and drumming and all that kind of stuff and I I sort of miss that part of my scene because it's one I haven't really recreated since I've come to Wyoming but um but that like dark night cold weather thing like oh yeah we got that in aces (laughs) here so uh, one of the reasons why talking about oppression, you know, or talking about liberation is important uh, is also that uh, there are there is actually a terrible anniversary on this holiday, which is uh, on December 25th, 1951, 
in Florida, uh, Harry and Harriet Moore, who are an African-American civil rights activist married couple. Wait, 51? Uh, 51. That's very early. Very early. Okay. Pre, mm-hmm. I mean, a very early iteration of, of uh, far-right violence against the civil rights movement. Uh, they were civil rights activists. Uh, I think Harriet was an educator as well. And on Christmas Day in their home, uh, they were bombed um, by uh, far-right um, you know, Confederate Nazis. And uh, I think that that shows the intolerable cruelty of the far right, that they mm. would do that. You know, that Christ, probably Christians, probably self-professed Christians on Christmas Day mm-hmm. uh, killed uh, these civil rights activists in their own home. Mm. And yeah, as you said much earlier than we learned about, you know, the civil rights yeah. struggle never really started and never really ended mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a white guy, so growing up, like, Kwanzaa meant, like, fake holiday mm-hmm. joke thing. Um, but, you know, studying um, East African history for a while, um, I, I kind of came to appreciate it all, like a lot more. Um, obviously this will be a super limited perspective, but, um, so Kwanzaa is short for, uh, Matunda, um, which means fruits, uh, Ya Kwanzaa, which means first in Swahili or first fruits. Um, it was conceived in 1966 by Dr. Uh, Malana Karenga, uh, as a synthesis of various, uh, African harvest and solstice celebrations, um, with all sorts of other practices and values and shared experiences from across the continent and the uh, diaspora, um, as sort of a time for, uh, you know, togetherness, reverence, commemoration, recommitment, and celebration. And it, it sort of came about at, um, I mean, 1966 was a year after the Watts rebellion. It's like decolonization is happening all across Africa and the rest of the world, uh, national liberation and, uh, social revolutionary struggles are, um, happening everywhere. And for Africans, this was, uh, like basically a situation where, um, old and new oppressors were sort of bent on maintaining the, the substance of colonialism without any of the baggage of formal rule arrayed against this glimmer of potential for like a united, independent, free, and often socialist African nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. During that time, mm. there, there was so much movement. Uh, in terms of pan-Africanism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and a, and a lot of different, like, visions of what that actually meant in practice. And and I think Karenga and, and a lot of others sort of connected them as all part of, you know, civil rights in America as being the same, literally the same struggle um, as, you know, these national liberation movements, as um, thinking of black people in the U.S. as an internal colony. Um, and I, I guess uh, uh, the choice of Swahili there has a lot of, um, I think, relevant um, resonances. Uh, for one, it was it was sort of the language of choice to sort of unite this this diverse multitude of of peoples and and cultures and languages and value systems uh, and social structures in Tanzania by uh, Julius uh, Nyerere. Um, who, and, and Tanzania had gained independence uh, four years before uh, Kwanzaa came about. 
uh, and it was sort of a, a center of Pan-African and international solidarity in Africa. Uh, and Swahili was also sort of a major trans-regional language of trade that, that linked people across the Indian Ocean in mm-hmm. these, these, this like world system that predated the, the colonial, you know, Eurocentric world system. And, um, so Taranga and the people behind, um, Kwanzaa are, are building on this, this, this enormously long legacy of, of, uh, African influence in the world, it, it was sort of graded as a reaffirmation of the fact that that African culture is this world historic culture with a message um, that has, uh, for centuries, has influenced people across the world. Nice. Mm, Which, um, and like, there's that particularity of Kwanzaa of like coming from an African background, but like most holidays, it seeks to you know, capture something universal through that, that particular cultural tradition. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll, uh, in my way too long speech. Your TED talk. This is great, Sean. Um, by, uh, listing the, these, the, the seven sort of values that it's, it's based around. Cool. Um, and these are, uh, sort of intended to build a social historical con- uh, consciousness um, for Africans, particularly in the U.S. Uh, the uh, Nguzo Saba, or seven pillars, are uh, Umoja, or oneness, uh, Kuji Changulia, self-determination, uh, Ujima, collective responsibility, uh, Ujama, which... Um, Broadly means kinship, but also socialism in a Tanzanian context, or just collective uh, cooperative economics. Uh, and then Nia, purpose, Kuumba, creativity, and Imani, faith. So, yeah. Love that list. That's great. I the other thing that I love about how you started that was was sort of owning like. Yeah, I'm a white guy, and when I was growing up, this was sort of like a made-up holiday. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is that, like, all holidays are made yeah. up. Yeah. You know I what was I mean? Just thinking it's like that we're when like they're all ultimately like, like push the way back. They're all right. based on like natural cycles ultimately, yeah. but they're all made up. You know, yeah, and they're all constructed in the same way. You know, or in this, I mean, in, with the same sort of tools as this. Uh, was but this was consciously and openly and politically done so right yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah versus this sort of like shrouding in like uh, whatever particular religious tradition and then there's this sort of like dogmatic like this is how it's always been or like this is I mean that's like the way that I was raised with you know what I mean there wasn't any mm-hmm. sort of critical thinking about about that stuff the other thing I love about that is the way that Kwanzaa actually explicitly includes the economic in that. And like, mm-hmm. you know, to bring together the spiritual and the economic is, I think, really beautiful and like resonates with me a lot. And I'm, I'm one of those like more spiritually oriented socialists running around there, uh, you know, so it's like to me, the secularizing of it um, pulls a piece out that like I, I lose something when we completely secularize it. So I'm mm-hmm. happy to hear that. There's actually this tradition. I did not know that about Kwanzaa until this morning. So mm-hmm. thank you. 
so December 25th is also uh, Takanukui uh, in Peru, in a certain uh, province or area of Peru and a certain, um, uh, I guess, village ship or township um, called Chumba Vilacus. Uh, and it literally means the festival of hitting each other. Uh, and it is, and what people do is they fight to settle interpersonal conflicts. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that could, or, and they fight to set, settle interpersonal conflicts and also to settle territorial disputes, uh, which mm -hmm. I take to mean things like it might be farmland, sure. it might be just that eight feet of space uh, mm -hmm. on the partition between you and your neighbor uh, that you both insist, uh, you know, favors your side. But its family members will also fight during this time. And it's very festive. It is mm -hmm. accompanied by parades and singing and feasts and all kinds of stuff like that. And then the people who are fighting wrap up their hands in cloth. And there are referees who score the fights either on points or you can also win by knockout. Uh, so it's like a uh, boxing match. So it's like boxing for matches. Christmas. Yeah. Which is different than boxing. A different day kind of boxing in, day. in, in Canada. Uh, and right? again, <laughs> I want to acknowledge that I'm looking at this through, uh, you know, a, a really ridiculously white and kind of anthropological lens. I don't want to do that. It actually sounds pretty legit to me. Like the first thing that I thought about is all of the different ways that we cover up mm -hmm. our primal uh, tendency to be in conflict with one another. Like you know, conflict is is this natural sort of state of being and um and this is this tradition acknowledges that and celebrates it mm -hmm, basically mm -hmm. as this way of passing through and again it happens at, at right. this same holiday time which is all about passing through instead right? of our version which is it's the holiday and the family's getting together, so tamp down all your feelings and all of your grudges right, and right. suck it up, buttercup. Right. It's actually interesting. It reminds me a little bit of, um, so I did this thing, and I don't even remember what the, the actual workshop was called, but there was this tool in it called Wrestling with Affection, and they were basically teaching people how to, like, you know, physically work through their frustrations with each other mm -hmm. by, like, sort of teaching people how to, like, like wrestle and and push and tussle but in a way where like everybody stayed safe and where it was like explicitly about like working through your shit with each other and it was like some of the best therapy that i ever had in the relationship that i was in at the time like being able to actually like kind of get into it a little bit but like in a way that was like safe and consensual mm -hmm. with each other and so it reminds me a little bit of that which have some data points that like actually that's more effective than some other ways of trying to work through our conflict well, I mean, it's, it seems to presuppose a lot of community trust. Yeah. It yeah, seems right. to, totally. and, yeah. and, and, you know, and again, I don't want to, like, I feel like I don't, to elaborate on that, I, it just invites me to talk about shit that I don't know about, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it seems to presuppose the, you know, the acceptance of conflict, the mm -hmm. norm, the, a, 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 a sort of intimate community trust, uh, and, and it's refereed. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about the Christmas so, truce. This is a yeah, badass so story. It, so yeah, it, it's it, it's a great story. It's um, the subject of an amazing uh, folk song by John McCutcheon, uh, and um, I get to sing it tonight, so I'm really excited about that. And as I've been practicing it, uh, I I have to get the cries out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I, I'll be singing it and I'll hit some line and I'll go, oh my God, and I'll get really choked up and I can't sing because I'm crying. Okay, so the Christmas truce. So this is early World War I, uh, 1914. Yeah, so it's really early. It's really early. And, um, and the, the story focuses on um, soldiers from, uh, from British soldiers and German soldiers, but there were other soldiers involved as well from France. And mm-hmm. um, so basically this is a truce that happened at Christmas where um, that happened kind of spontaneously, right? It wasn't, it wasn't organized ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where, where one person sort of, you know, went out with the truce flag and then Matt and other people came out as well from both sides. And, you know, it starts with singing, starts with music and, you know, in, sort of passing back and story, forth. Yeah. Uh, Christmas in, carols in their, in their languages with each other and ends up in, um, Football games, which, you know, soccer for the Americans listening, uh, which I think is really beautiful that there's like, there's like a voiced part of the story and there's a physical part of the story um, that, and I think both of those things like singing together and playing together both like really humanize us, which was the part that was kind of threatening and subversive about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that contextualize what you just said, which is, First, that um, there had been, there ha- there always has been, first of all, fraternization is what they call it, uh, between enemy uh, combatants. Um, and there had been uh, versions of that, iterations of that going on prior to that, the Christmas. And, uh, and that this happened along, supposedly happened along multiple sites. Uh, along the Western Front, mm. where there were 100,000 British and German troops together. And we were just, Sean and I were just talking about how, I mean, Britain and Germany, you know, when they're not at war, even at that time, when they're not at war, it's constant, like, exchange of mm-hmm. commerce mm-hmm. and education mm-hmm. and families. There's, you know, so many family uh, inter- intermarrying bet- or marrying between the two countries and cultures and everything. I'm that, a product of that. that yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and I think if you're, you know, a white mid-European kind of person, you're probably absolutely a product of that. Uh, I probably am and don't know it, even though like all my ancestors are English and, and Scottish. Um, but uh so that happened, and there had been these other manifestations of it, including um, things like inter like trench to trench visits, visits between trenches. Um, you know, was was a common thing as well. So this had so this had been happening, and then of course historically, it always happens. Uh, it often happens around commerce related things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like exchanging alcohol or drugs or things like that between. Uh, you know, different soldiers, and it probably still happens. I mean, it, I, I mean, it, I think that it is a, an integral feature of war. Mm-hmm. Is that the the soldiers who are basically working class people fighting are going to find commonalities between each other that mm-hmm. um, that permeate through the battle lines. And what's interesting to me about that piece of it is that so even war is not powerful enough to stop people from finding common cause and, you know, from finding solidarity with each other. And it's one of the things that I think is so beautiful Mm -hmm. about this story is that it really is a story about like, like reaching for that solidarity 
and you know, and that you can be in the midst of like the most horrific thing where you've been absolutely propagandized to hate each other and it still finds its way through the cracks. So this culminated in a way, in a big way, whatever was had been going on um, and has always been going on culminated in a big way uh, with um, on, on Christmas Eve um, of uh, uh, and Christmas early Christmas Day of 1914. Um, and part of that is that there were a hundred thousand troops between the two massed in a fairly uh, small mm-hmm. uh, location of the Western Front. Um, and uh, there were football matches, as you said, which were reported. Uh, so these started getting this stuff started getting reported in newspapers around the world. So, mm-hmm. uh, so there was a uh, January first twenty uh, or January first nineteen fifteen story about football matches mm-hmm. uh, between enemy troops on the Western Front. Um, and then the interesting one for me is so. So at the time, the United States is neutral. It's nineteen fourteen. The New York Times broke the story, or apparently mm-hmm. broke the story, on December thirty first, uh, with eyewitness accounts. Um, and so this was not just rumor or just sort of folkloric rumor. It was actually in the media and in the major media. Um, and then in the me, you know, since then, historians have unearthed letters to home where soldiers were writing letters to their parents mm. or to their spouses. Hey, we just drank and had a great time last night with the Germans. Isn't uh-huh. that amazing? And the, and the language of the letters is like, isn't this cool? Isn't this mm-hmm. awesome? Mm-hmm. Like nobody's being like, you know, we just went went and partied with the the Germans. How fucked up the is that? Enemies. You know, like they're all they're all like going. This is really cool. And so, uh, you know, I would say, you know, listen to the song. It's such a great song. And then and read about. Uh, there's books, you know, entire books uh, about it. Um, there's uh, great articles online uh, about it. And it it really does does seem to be everything that people kind of said it was because there were these eyewitness accounts and newspaper accounts of it happening. And of course, and there's monuments to it um, in uh, um, in both France and in uh, in Britain. Uh, there are monuments up uh, about it. I don't know if there are any monuments about it up in Germany. Um, uh, needless to say, there was a crackdown on all of this, but I didn't have time to research, nor do I know much about what form that crackdown took. I do know that officers had, had long been complaining um, about it, and it was typically junior officers that were registering a bunch of complaints about it because they are the ones who were most direct, you know, kind of had this sort of direct managerial role mm-hmm. of the troops. And from a practical standpoint, it is much harder to get your people to kill other people uh, when they know that instead of killing them, they can go drink with them and play soccer with them. Right. Schnapps is way more fun than bullets, yeah. frankly. I think we should just say uh, like uh, uh, happy everythings, happy solidarities, happy holy days, whatever, um, from the Solidarity House cooperative folks here. On the cold and rocky ground, when across the lines of battle came a most peculiar sound. Says, I now listen up, the boys. Each soldier strained to hear as one young German voice 
sang out so clear 